All right, and welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith, here alone for a solo interview podcast. Chuck and John will be back later this week for a full episode of Fast Break Breakfast. For today's episode, I thought I would strike while the iron was hot and check in to see how the DeMarcus Cousins trade feels from the Pelicans' perspective. A little more than a week since it's all went down. Obviously, the Pels are 0-3 since the trade, but I'm curious how much, if any, of the shine has worn off. Um, Before we get to the interview, remember in February, if you write a five-star iTunes review, we will read it on air. So if you want to shout out or want to plug your new art project or whatever it is, we will read it as long as it is not horribly offensive. So write an iTunes review. It helps us out, and we will give you a shout out. Also, our most important fans are those who have joined our Patreon and helped financially support the show. So shout out to all of them. We talk basketball around the clock on our Slack chat and play fantasy basketball. There's a pick'em contest together. So if you like the show and want to interact more with us and support us, you can go to patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash fastbreakbreakfast. My guest today is a contributor for Bourbon Street Shots. And the man who had the King Cake Baby Twitter handle stolen from him, Mr. Mason Ginsburg. Mason, how are you? You know, uh, re- recovering. Yeah, it's a, it's a long process, but, uh, you know, I'm finally... Uh, it, the, the, the boogie trade certainly helped. Uh, I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> I am not an angry... I never considered myself an angry person. However, I have noticed I've been filled with rage for a couple of months now. Uh, you know, <laughs> but your Twitter experience of having your handle like your secondary your side handle your your parody account that wasn't apparently parody enough taken from you it makes me angry like it makes me want to, to rage against the machine so how <laughs> how are you handling it uh, i mean it was it was annoying for a little while uh, i'm I, I as i said the, the whole at the very beginning like i they had asked for it. I would have given it to them. It's not like a. It's not. A, it's not a big deal. It, I think they could have handled it better, um, especially after they realized who was operating it at the, at, from the start. Um, but you know, it, it it is what it is. Um, you know, hopefully people have learned, learned from it. But uh, no, you, no, no big deal. It's still the team I love. As someone, yeah, because you cover. I think the fact that you're someone who covers the team, who you know, you donate your time, your sweat, your your effort to promoting this smallest of market basketball teams. And then to have it, like, if it was just some random guy, I'd be like, all right, no big deal. But so I guess, I don't know, it rubs me, it rubs me the wrong way. Like, do you, do you have any contact with people within the team from your time, like when you were in New Orleans or is it all just kind of like arms reach? And so you don't interact with any of the social media people. Uh, I mean, I never really knew any of the social media people. I, I mean, I know some of the PR guys, they're, they're great people. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a, there's definitely like no animosity whatsoever. I mean, it's just, um, I probably let it run a little too long to be honest, but I was just, I was just baffled uh, at the, at, from the start. And, um, like I said, no, no big deal. I think you took the high road the whole time and I'm incredibly impressed. Um, well, <laughs> you are a repeat guest. Very happy to have you back. So now officially friend of the show, but I have to ask you, uh, what'd you have for breakfast today? 
Oh man, what did I have for breakfast today? Man, I, I just had a kind bar. I'm not. I, it was a Monday. It was a work day. Just went to the office, grabbed one, and uh, so I, that's a that's a fail on my part um, for the sake of the show. I know, but well, that's that's no shame. It was a it was a last minute thing. I just hit you up. I'm like Mardi Gras coming. We got the boogie <laughs> trade. Let's get some Pelicans talk going. We were recording this on Monday night, the night the night before Mardi Gras, uh, and it's been a big week. Had All Star Weekend in New Orleans, and then obviously during the game, after the game, the Woj bombs are dropping. So I'm curious, what was your what was your first reaction as a Pelicans fan when those leaked news were coming out that the Pelicans were working something out with the Sacramento Kings? Yeah, so it was weird because I was <laughs> I, I I was simultaneously optimistic and doubting it at the same time because on the one hand. You sit there and look at the Pelicans related to some of the other teams in the league and how many assets New Orleans had to, to land a top 15 guy like that who who had still another year on his contract after this one. It just it just didn't seem likely. At the same time, you've got you've got Waj and Stein both both saying this something is going to happen. And when those two guys are both both tweeting about it, you know it's it, <laughs> you you can't really doubt it. And so sure enough, I mean a half an hour later that the news drops and I might. My jaw just continues to drop closer and closer to the floor as more details uh, leak about this deal. And it's just first you think there's two first round picks going and then it's just just one and then the sixth or second round pick for this year. And then you find out that the the one first round pick we did trade is top three protected. It was just it was insane. I, I, I don't know. I still don't fully understand how it all happened, but I'm, I'm not complaining. So you were on you were on cloud nine at that point. I'm curious now. A week later, and with the Pelicans having dropped their first three games with Demarcus Cousins, like what percentage of your elation has worn off, or is it still? Are you still riding high? Uh, I mean, it's, it's it was never gonna to, to quote LeBron. Rome wasn't built in a day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, it, it's it's going to take a while. I mean, this is a complete philosophical shift for this Pelicans team. I mean, I feel like you see guys, and this kind of speaks to how they've started 0-3. You see players trying to play the way that Gentry's designed the team from training camp, and it just doesn't necessarily work with with the new with, with having Cousins and AD now um, and on the front line. I mean, you see AD and, and Cousins both crashing, and you see other guys trying to leak out, and it's just it's conflicting. Uh, game plans and it's 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 just gonna be uh, it's gonna take time uh so i'm not i'm not too concerned um the only thing that's been truly bothersome was drew holiday's been slumping pretty hard i mean he he had a fantastic month or month and a half up leading up to the all-star break he was top 10 point guard for sure in that time frame and he's you know he's had top, trouble adjusting i think he's he, he even admitted um justin very i put out a good piece today um that Talk to AD, talk to Drew, and um, I think Drew is trying too hard to to get AD and Boogie the ball and not really playing his game. And his game's gonna, you know, it's gonna work just fine with with those two guys. And so, um, like I said, it's just gonna take some time to work out. Not not too uh, overly concerned. So you think Drew struggles in the three games with you know Demarcus? You think it is just more of him struggling to adjust or maybe a typical like random blip and bad shooting downturn? Um, or, or do you think, so you think that's all that it, it is and it isn't like a concern of maybe there's less space. Maybe these guys are dominating, you know, Davis and cousins having the ball all the times, isn't letting drew do his thing. So do you, do you think it's a, it's something that'll just get worked out quickly or do you think maybe drew is going to have more trouble finding his game now that they have the twin towers going all the time? Yeah, I think I think Drew's gonna find him find itself himself pretty pretty quickly. Uh, I mean, the we, the rest of the roster is um, much much less clear. I mean, the the 
the underrated aspect of the trade is that the Pelicans, they still have some some decent perimeter shooting, but they traded the two guys with the quickest triggers, Galloway and Buddy. And now you've got guys like, um, you know, even Drew, Etwan Moore, Caspi for the one game they had him until he broke his thumb, guys that are a little little more tentative. And while they shoot the ball well, they are not, you know, they're not as quick to, to release. And it's it's creeping up the floor. And obviously, AD and Boogie haven't been uh, as affected. But uh, the offense overall just isn't flowing the way that, that it was leading up to the break. And so um, uh, so that's that's something that may may take a little longer. One of the big steals that I thought in that trade outside of the first round pick being top three protected was getting Caspi was just randomly having Caspi thrown in. And then on uh, bizarrely from the Kings angle, them taking on extra salary, like on the swap for Caspi for Galloway. But then obviously Caspi got hurt in the first game. And I thought he was going to be like, again, I thought that was a coup for the Pelicans. Cause you guys have been playing from when I see the, the team play, it's almost always Solomon Hill or like Dante Cunningham playing three. And those guys aren't really small forwards in my mind. And even though Caspi can play some stretch four, I thought that was a great wing, but he got hurt. And then the team cut him immediately waved him. I was stunned. Um, what was the, what was the thinking just b- behind letting Caspi go? Um, you know, it's I, I'm still not a fan of it. I, I, I what I think, and you know, we've discussed this as a site. Uh, Michael McNamara for a site put out a great piece on it. Is that this is a very uh, possible in, indication that the Pelicans are going to try to go below the cap this summer? Because if you think about it, if, if the Pelicans were saying, "All right, we're going to, you know, we're not going to, uh, you know, shake shake things up too too immensely." We're going to have Drew, uh, Drew's cap hold and everything else. We're pretty much going to be at the cap. So then we can go over the cap to sign guys like Cunningham, Caspi, and then you have the mid-level exception. So you have options to, to add some uh, – to keep or add a, a little bit of talent around the core you have now. And to operate under the cap and make any sort of uh, big move, you've got to move some serious, serious salary. I mean you've got to – Probably wave and stretch Omer. You, you've got to get rid of Agenza, maybe probably even Pondexter to really even have enough space to do something. And that something would probably be, you know, attach a first round pick to Etwan Moore and, and go get a, a guy who's making 18, 20 million dollars who maybe, uh, you know, is a better player, but a team maybe doesn't want to have that much salary in the books. And, and with the, the added first round pick, maybe they give it up. And so I, I think that's the, the logic is that. The Pelicans aren't going to have another opportunity to have cap space because next summer is hopefully you, you can extend to Marcus Cousins and then you're just you're capped out between Drew Holiday's uh, hopeful extension this summer and that. So I think long story short, they're tr- they think they're going to be able to go under the cap. And I just I just worry about cutting Caspi as if, you know, you're like, you better be damn sure that you're not going to need Caspi and you're not going to be a team operating over the cap because to lose his bird rights is pretty, uh, you know, pretty short term and and thinking, especially when they added a guy like a 10 day, like Reggie Williams to replace him. Not someone that's really, uh, has a high, high potential. Uh, he, he is what he is at this point. So we'll see. But, uh, a lot of the implications are very interesting. Well, so I wonder, I don't have, I don't have a, a, a very clear grasp on the Pelicans like cap sheet for next year, but in my mind, this is a team that's going to be operating right at the cap. And I know from Grizzlies years past where, uh, like they have, you know, they're always operating right at the cap and it's always maintaining bird rights and, and which, you know, do you have your biennial exception or we have a mid-level exception? What can we do with yeah. that? And so I know it's always really hard. You try to explain to people like a lot of NBA teams like the Pelicans, like you could cut $20 million and it still doesn't really help you 
because you still have to add, you know, four players and you're still like the, the new mid-level exceptions, like $9 million or $8 million. Like that would have been effective and you lose that type thing. So I I was curious for me and the buddy. Yeah. I didn't even mention they got a buddy heel trade exception for three and a half million by adding, but with the Galloway and Caspi additions, they were able to grab that too. So that's another exception they would lose by going under the cap. Yeah, so it, it really confused me because it, it did, to me, seem like a, a short-sighted, like we just need to get some players and try to chase this eight seed. But then again, I was looking at it like things aren't that dire, as in right. like those guys on 10-day contracts got DMPs. So like if you're getting right. guys, if you're getting guys DMPs, you know, I, I was again surprised. And I'm also, I'm kind of like a big Omri Caspi fan. And so like last season or a couple years ago, I was like, kind of hoping he would end up on a team that I liked. And then when he got cut, I was like, what? Oh no, like this guy can't find, you know, and obviously he's had some bad luck with injuries. I'm curious why, if they were going to cut someone, I wondered about Quincy Pondexter. Like, is he, is there anticipation that he's part of the plans next year? Because I think he's still under salary, but you know, their their salaries were very similar. I, I was, I was surprised maybe he would get cut or they would go ahead and just, you know, not do one of those 10 day guys. Yeah, I mean uh, the Quincy. The I think the, the only difference is pretty simple. Quincy has a uh, has money guaranteed for next year. Granted, it's like I think it's just under four million, but Caspi doesn't have anything guaranteed. So that was like a, you know, I, again, I, th- I think it just signals that they're gonna they're gonna really try to move some salary this summer. And um, because even if they open up, you know, they could probably open up with hopeful look relative ease, ten to twelve million in cap space. And that's not really enough to get a, a needle mover, like like you said, the middle of exceptions, almost that. But I think it, what it does is say, hey, we can we can take in more salary uh, than we than we'll send out, and so maybe you could, like I said, trade more and a first round pick for a guy making 18, 18 million or so. I think and I think that's that's got to be the line of thought because there's no other there's no other good explanation for for doing it uh, because as you said, the ten day guys. Reggie Williams got a DMP last night. So yeah, another one of those 10 day guys that was brought in is a guy that I've been interested in Hollis Thompson. He's been interesting to me because he, because he's one of those guys for the Sixers in the process where they would bring in undrafted second round guys and give them tons of playing time. And they like, they looked okay. And I was one of the questions I've always had for the Sixers is like, is Hollis Thompson any good outside of, you know, just being able to play 25 minutes on a horrible team. And so, and I know there hasn't been a huge sample size with the Pelicans, but I'm curious, uh, what have you seen from him uh, playing outside of the Sixer system and trying to plug in with the Pelicans? And I know his stats are bad. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he he hasn't played too much. I mean, his, his, He's still trying to find a role, I think. I mean, the fact is, he's a he's a six eight shooter. I mean, and that's those by itself are, are they're not common. And so I, I I loved adding him. You you give him. A, I would like to keep him for the rest of the season. Uh, you know, hope, hopefully he'll uh, he'll stick around just to because I mean he's a he's a big wing who can who can knock down shots. And so uh, maybe hopefully he can carve out a, a, a role with this team. You know, yeah, I would not, nothing no heavy minutes or anything he's got he would have to earn those obviously but i i I do i do like the addition um and i looking forward to continuing to see uh see him play because there are going to be minutes available for wings yeah definitely looking for just someone kind of who can shoot and play off the ball there um a lot of the talk about the pelicans going forward and cap space is centered around drew holiday who's going to be a free agent and a lot of the talk of like is this a guy you want to re-sign and then i feel like I see Pelicans fans and other NBA bloggers kind of already lamenting, like overpaying Drew Holiday. I'm curious, do you think as someone who I think is maybe around like, I don't know, like he's 
middle of the pack, I guess, like 15th to 20th best kind of point guard in the NBA. Um, like, do you think they are going to have to open the bank to pay him uh, just because maybe there will be that leverage that they can't really get anyone else? Or, or like, how, how worried are you about the next contract? Because part of me feels like, you know, there aren't that many teams that are going to be seeking him out, but I could just be naive there. Yeah. I, now, to be honest, I don't think the Pelicans have a choice. I think, um, you know, I think Drew's got a lot of leverage. Uh, I mean, he's 26, going to be 27 this summer. He's been healthy, honestly, for almost two full seasons now. He, he was brought along very slowly last season, obviously, but he's been, he was healthy. He didn't have any setbacks. He hurt, he hurt his eye late last season, like orbital fracture, I think. But that's, you know, nothing to do with the knee that, that plagued them for for a while and so i mean now if if you really want to if you really want to show demarcus cousins like you're committed to building a, a winner and you let drew walk because he you know the price it, it, i mean you're not you're not going to replace drew um with with comp- uh, anyone you know assuming well you know i was thinking they were going to go over the cap until the other day but right. um, <laughs> you know it if they open up enough cap space, yeah, they could go after another max guy. But how many? There, there aren't. There just aren't that many players, regardless, that are going to be on the market uh, who are better than Drew Holiday. I mean, especially in, when you consider the fact the Pelicans are pretty much set in the front court. So now they got to look for backcourt guys and and then players like uh, Hayward and and or eligible for this new um, new designated player uh, extension. And so it's just you know it's it. I, I, I really think you, you got to go with Drew Holiday. And if he if he demands a max, I, I do I think he's worth a max? No, but it, you can go over the cap to do it. And you can keep his cap hold on the books. You can add, uh, add a little bit around the edges, um, ideally, before you ink that max deal. And so I think, you know, I think they got to do it. Um, yeah, it's again, it's tough, but if you if you firmly believe that his injury issues are behind him, and I think there's a lot of evidence that points to that being the case. You look at it and you say, "Hey, this is a twenty a guy who just turned twenty-seven, and if you have to give him a four, or even, you know, I'm not sure if they give him a five-year deal, but even if he, you know, even if he get there, it takes him to age thirty-two, and I, I think you know you, that's most of his prime, so I, I'm okay with it." Yep, I, I just part of me is optimistic for Pelicans front office that I, I'm not sure. I know he's going to be one of those guys who is available. But I don't know which suitors, like which teams out there are going to open up the checkbook. You know, like you, you look at the guys who, who have a worse point guard than him right now and whether they will be in position to do something. Like, are, are the Mavericks going to go after him or the Sixers? You know, would the Sixers bring him back type thing? And I don't know. But, yeah, obviously yeah. Uh, he's, in, he's in that position where... The, 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 thing with, the thing with Drew that kind of separates him a little bit is that it, he can, he, you can play him in either guard position. It, he can, he's good off ball. And if you have a point guard that's, you know, 6'3", six, 6'4", you can you can play those two together. Drew's got uh, Drew's got wingspan above his uh, above his height, or you know, and I, I mean there, there's only a, you know there's not a, that's not a ton of teams that could do something like that. I mean you look at I mean, even like the uh, you know a lot of the teams have point guards six foot six one six two. But I mean if you have got a big enough point guard where you can kind of play those two um, you know interchangeably, it's it, that opens up the options a little bit for Drew. Yeah, definitely. What did you learn during the Terrence Jones tenure? And that can be that can be open ended. That could be life lessons. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I like Terrence Jones. I totally understood why they cut him, and I think I think that's the kind of thing that kind of that may go overlooked a little bit in this league. But the Terrence Jones did have uh, an option or two to sign above the minimum. Uh, it, it just it wasn't a situation where he he thought he would be able to maximize his own value moving forward. So he's he looked at the Pelicans and said, you know, I get to play with Anthony Davis. I get real minutes here. 
Whereas maybe he could have signed for two million or the biannual somewhere else where he wasn't going to get as much of an opportunity to showcase himself because he's really trying to set himself up for that next contract. And then Pelicans go and you know trade for Demarcus Cousins, who has the same agent as Terrence Jones. And I think the writing was on the wall here. So uh, you know Terrence Jones got released and I, he's still looking for a home. But I, I understood the the rationale. I mean, Monte Yunus is a fine third big. Uh, he I think he complements the other two better than Terrence Jones because ideally you've got enough scoring in the front court with AD and Cousins. But um, uh, money is does some of the other stuff that Terrence doesn't do quite as well. So, um, you know, in, would, would Terrence just have had a role in, in New Orleans moving forward? Would he have been helpful? Absolutely. But I totally understand the rationale from multiple angles to let him go and let him pursue other opportunities for the rest of the year to try to build up his own stock for his next contract. So for the rest of the year, what are you looking for from the Pelicans? They are, you know, currently in 13th, you know, with, 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 uh, you assume Dallas is, is going to f- probably fall out. You assume the Kings are going to fall out. But, you know, Port- Portland and Minnesota and Denver are probably all going to fight hard for that playoff spot and are currently ahead of the Pelicans. So um, what are you expecting for the rest of the year? Yeah, I, th- I thought this was a three-team race as soon as the trade went down. I thought it was going to be either Denver, Portland, or New Orleans. Minnesota is dealing with the Zach Levine injury. I just – I don't I don't know if I see them hanging. Uh, obviously, they've got a, a, a nice young core that – going to get better every game. So I, I could be wrong on that one, but um, you know, it just depends on how quickly the Pelicans could figure it out. I, I had them. I, I thought they had about a 50, 50 shot of making the playoffs uh, right, right after they all, the trade went down. Uh, I obviously think that's a little lower now. I thought they'd take, you know, at least one of their first, their first three, especially at, against Dallas, but uh hasn't worked out and they've got quite the uh, quite the uphill battle. They're three, three and a half back at Denver right now. Um, Two and I think uh, one, yeah, two back of of uh, Portland. So, it's it's not going to be easy. They've got to they got to figure this out, and they got to they got to figure it out, or at least get up to a passable level um, fairly quickly. And they've got at least two games left against Denver. I can't remember, maybe even three. Uh, so that's going to be very uh, very important down the stretch. But right now, I'd say more likely than not, or more sorry, n- unlikely that they make the playoffs. But you know, it's not, I wouldn't say it's heavily unlikely. I put them at maybe like 40% chance, maybe, or one in three. Um, so, so we'll see. I mean, Denver and, uh, Denver looks uh, good in spurts and so does Portland. I mean, they were in the playoffs last year. So, uh, we'll see. It should be, should be fun to watch. Are you concerned at all? And this is kind of, kind of wrapping up, but I don't, I guess I'm going a little negative at the very end. Um, are, are you concerned at all with the, kind of the the baggage the demarcus cousins baggage that he's bringing like the emotional stuff and i know the kings have been on like a kind of a low-key pr binge talking about like a dark cloud is lifted and every like staff (laughs) and teammates are are happier going you know everyone's happy at work again type thing um i'm curious if after you know we're just a weekend and this is the team that has invested a lot obviously although not too much it was obviously a steal of a trade you know like i don't think anyone thinks buddy healed is going to be a star um, and that, you know, so pretty much a first round pick and some guys is, is a great trade for the Pelicans. But are you concerned at all going forward that like, this is just going to be a thing that sets back the franchise. Like if they don't make the playoffs this year, which, you know, optimistically, you know, one in three chance they do. And then next year, if they're building around it and they're shorthanded because of cap, you know, the cap decisions they made in years past with like the Solomon Hill and the Ashik signing, um, that it just becomes more of a cloud to the Pelicans franchise kind of passed on to cousins. And just if things don't work out with this trade and then he leaves, like how far back that's going to set the franchise. So 
though that's my dark vision feel free to respond in a positive way no i mean that's i think you just explained the worst case scenario pretty pretty eloquently <laughs> um it's it's definitely a concern, but I mean, again, as we talked about at the top top of the podcast, like it's 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 a risk the Pelicans had to take. I mean, you're not the hist- the history of uh, this franchise in New Orleans shows you you're you're not going to assign a giant needle mover to pair with AD uh, in free agency. It just doesn't it hasn't happened. The best free agent they've signed is you know arguably Peja Stojakovic, who was who was great for like a year or two, and then suddenly we all what we all knew was coming. He hit you know the the his prime ended. And he got he got injured and and the decline came very quickly, but uh, you know it, it's a move they had to make. Now the Pelicans have two of the best 15 players in basketball. Um, Cousins, I mean, you, you've seen already. He had a, he got a technical foul 30 seconds into the game last night, uh, and I I don't I missed if it's rescinded or not. I I'm assuming it's not, and so he'll be suspended for the next game. And that's just you know it comes to the territory with Cousins. I mean he he's, he loves. You know, he said all the right things in that uh, interview with Spears uh, on the undefeated. You know, he he's from Mobile. He loves New Orleans. Feels like home to him, and it, it gave a you know gives you a, a nice nice feeling that this could really be a thing long term for New Orleans. And if if that if that's if he's going to stick around New Orleans, I'll I'll take some baggage that comes with it because that that pairing in the front court is going to be something to watch for the next few years. Yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely tuned in. He, he I mean he always kind of says the right thing you know, to reporters outside of that Sacramento B guy, you know, he's, he's always been a well-spoken. <laughs> he, se- he seems like a pr- pretty friendly guy, um, off the court. Uh, last couple things. Uh, is there a, is there a leading candidate for like nickname for Anthony Davis and DeMarcus cousins together? It, it seems like fire and ice has taken off. That's um, horrible. Just, I, 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 that's yeah, I know. I know I, I'm with you. I, I'm not going to call it horrible, but I think there are such, such better options. my, I mean, I, I've got two that I like that I it's kind of feels like I'm in the minority on. I, I liked I'm a I'm a big Rolling Stones guy, so Be Suburban just immediately uh, <laughs> okay. took me. Uh, and then uh, Flock Nest Monsters. Uh, I I can't remember someone's. I, I didn't come up with either of these. Well, these were that's, fans that's are, not, that tweeted them to me, and I was yeah, I I like both of those. Uh, it just seems like we have there's no way of stopping fire and ice um what does does the fire and ice have any relation to new orleans like am i missing no, something absolutely not no okay. they, they, it was in there it was in the uh just interviews with with boogie and ad and you know they they that they said it so it 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 stuck yeah i don't i don't uh three three brown night was the uh was thrown out by our co-host john <laughs> so I, I, you know, it's something I, I haven't, th- I haven't thought much about it, but it seems like there needs to be, needs to be something. All right. Yeah. And last thing, uh, I'm going to release this on Mardi Gras, uh, which will then start the season of Lent. Are, are you giving up anything for Lent? Fortunately, well, not fortunately, but uh, being Jewish, well, uh, not, <laughs> I don't not know. I'm, I mean, I'm not Catholic either. I, you know, but... <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I sometimes think about it as in, it would be good for me. Uh, but I, I, even if I say I'm going to give up something, it just, it doesn't last. So I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to fool myself. And you don't, so, you don't mess around with new year's resolutions or anything. Is this just a- <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not too good with that either, but, um, <laughs> just, I, I'm, I'm more of a realist in that you know, I can, I can try and you know, it'll, it may work for for a little while, but it, I, I, I'm just, this is not good with stuff like that. That's pretty good. I, I think like in college, I just started randomly giving up things for Lent, like random things. Like I'm not going to, and, and actually recently I just, I give up soda is my normal thing. Like no more soda. Un- well, unless it's like mixed with alcohol. I was like, no, I, no more non-alcoholic I, I, soda. 
I've tried. I've actually done this a couple of times from from Mardi Gras to my birthday, which is early April. I've said, all right, uh, no, no booze between those two dates. And then I'm always like, oh, wait, but St. Patty's Day. And so like, yeah. I can't even do that. I mean, it's just it's I, I have to start creating exceptions. So, I mean, I just don't even mess with it. I did no booze one year and I was thinking it was like 40 days. I was like, Lint is 40 days, 40 nights or something. And then like I was like, this is going forever. And it turned out it was like 47 days. I was like, come on. I thought but like, well, who even did this? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. All right. Well, Mason, thanks so much for uh, taking time to talk about the Pelicans uh, and coming on. And best of luck with all that Boogie Cousins related things. Uh, tell people uh, about Bourbon Street Shots and also where they can uh, read you and hear you if that's the case. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, right for ESPN Troop Network's uh, Pelicans affiliate, Bourbon Street Shots. I've uh, been pretty busy. We had so, we had sort of a lull leading up until the, uh, the All-Star break. But, uh, you know, between the All-Star break in New Orleans and the Cousins trade, you know, have a Got a lot of good stuff uh, that's already come out. Good stuff coming out. We were reinvigorated. So um, <laughs> yeah. definitely check us out. Sounds good. All right, man. We have a, have a good night and have a fun Mardi Gras. <laughs> Thanks. You too. All right. Thanks to Mason for coming back on the show. Make sure and follow him on Twitter at Mason Ginsburg. It's all one word. He's a good follow. Just the other night, he was trashing. Al Farouk Aminu's dribbling, so I had a chance to share the Adolf advanced stat with him, the Aminu dribble off leg or foot, so that was a treat. Remember to write those five-star iTunes reviews for us to read on air and join our Patreon, patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. You can follow us on Twitter at fastbreakbreak or like us on Facebook. You guys are the best. Thanks for listening, and remember, breakfast is the most important thing. <laughs>